And for the handful of people in here, you can be seated. I can finally say that. So uh, that's fantastic. Listen, I'm, my sincere hope is that next week or that this, uh, this coming week that uh, the, uh, the, the governor does release us to uh, be in phase two. And uh, so the, the elders are praying about exactly uh, how we're going to respond if, if that doesn't come through. And so just want you to know that that's something that we are, that we are up to right now. We, uh, we want to support our government. We want to obey the governing authorities um, uh, uh, until it comes to a point where we're unable uh, to fulfill that um, and still uh, serve our Lord. And so that's what we're praying about. Like, just pray for wisdom for us. So that we can do that. So we've created an, an environment here where uh, people are spaced out, uh, six feet apart, um, where we believe that this would be a, a safe environment. And so we just want to encourage you uh, to, uh, to, to, when you come, to uh, respect social distancing and all of that great, great stuff. We want. I know there's a lot of us that that um, are not people who suffer from underlying health conditions. Um, our church is fairly young. Not everybody is like that in our church, but most of us in, in our church are, are pretty young, and so we don't necessarily have uh, issues with that. But there are a handful of people in our church that would uh, struggle with that. And so we just, we just want to encourage you when, when we're back together to, um, even if you don't buy into it, that you would do your best to uh, do what it takes to meet together. So that, that, would, be, that would be awesome. So listen, we're going to be in First Peter Chapter 4, we're picking it up in verse 7. Uh, we've been talking uh, throughout the book of 1 Peter. And uh, 1 Peter is written to uh, people in a local church who are suffering. They're suffering way worse than we are suffering. In fact, we're probably not even suffering. We're just inconvenienced uh, a, a, a fair amount. But there's a lot of fear. And the, the key word these days has been uncertainty. I think I kicked off this sermon series talking about uncertainty. Um, uh, or at least uh, since we've been shut down with, with COVID. Uh, but there's just been this uncertainty. And so these people have, are kind of going through this, this kind of uncertainty as well. But their situation in, in many respects is, is so much more different than ours. Their situation is, is horrific in nature as they're dealing with uh, the, the, the possibility and the reality that many of them, if not most of them, will be killed uh, in this local church. Peter himself will be crucified upside down uh, as a result of the suffering that comes uh, through this. And so we've been talking about this a ton and talking about what does it look like to suffer well. And we, we suffer because Christ suffered for us. Because really what's at stake is this, is that like if, uh, if we're unwilling to suffer for the cause of Christ, if those people were unwilling to suffer for the cause of Christ, I mean, if they, if they didn't really want to deal with this suffering, all they had to do was renounce Christ. All they had to do was just say, okay, I'm not, I'm not buying into that anymore. I'm not going to associate with those people. And it would have been gone like that. And so their situation is different. But today, the, the suffering, the, the inconvenience, uh, the, the difficulty that we deal with is not as pronounced. It's not as pronounced because we live in a world that's been affected so much by Judeo-Christian values. And so much of what our, our culture values really is from and is taken from the scriptures. It's taken from the scriptures, even though most or many people in our country, many people in our world reject the scriptures, yet the scriptures have had an undeniable impact 
on our world today. It's where we get the idea of civil rights. It's where we get the idea of uh, serving people who are in need. It's where we get the idea that um, the rich should be willing uh, to help serve the poor and, and things of, of that nature. And so our world has been affected by this so much. And so what's so difficult is that we have a hard time seeing the contrast between our world and who we are as a church. But nevertheless, what we see in our world is we see just, just so much crazy stuff going on right now between all of the, the racial uh, tensions that are in our world that are just, uh, just intense. It's just absolutely intense. There's these racial tensions, and then there's, there's the folks that, um, who are, are really looking to defund the police and uh, who are hating on police officers. I heard from a police officer secondhand uh, this week that said that many of our police officers in our town today um, are uh, constantly getting the finger from people as they're driving by. Uh, they're getting hate mail uh, consistently um, in, uh, you know, in the office and things like that. I can't imagine that. But I also can't imagine what the black community is dealing with. I can't imagine what the black community is dealing with. And there's, there's too many of us in the church today that, are, that have taken a side in this. There's too many of us. I'm not saying on any level that we shouldn't advocate for the black community. I absolutely believe that we need to. I, I've written posts on that, but I've also written uh, posts uh, on Facebook or commented on various things that are, that are in support of law enforcement as well. So too many of us in the church have taken sides in this issue. And what that says to me is this, is that too many of us are unwilling to bear the reproach of Christ. And we are unwilling to deal with the nuance. And too many of us are losing our minds. Too many of us are sitting and resting in this uncertainty. And too many of us are, are unwilling to, to speak up for one side or the other, including myself at times, because we're afraid of what our believing friends might say or our unbelieving friends might say. Too many of us have been walking in fear. But our world is in turmoil. Make no mistake about that. And we could say, like, there are needed changes on all sides. I would wholeheartedly agree with that. I, I, I commented on a post this week in regards to, uh, it was basically talking about renaming military bases and things like that. Ever since I was a child, I remember seeing, uh, you, know, the, uh, <laughs> you know, the Confederate flag. And when I realized that the Confederates were fighting for slavery, it has always struck me as really difficult that we have allowed those symbols to go on in our world. But let's just be honest here for a second, that many Christians are right-leaning evangelicals. And we are... Uh, and 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 we we want to say things that are are like you know that shouldn't be an issue or, or what have you. But I just can't imagine flying the flag of an enemy combatant in our world, and I can't imagine being a person of color in our world and seeing that flag or seeing the name on that whatever it is that is promoting the idea that these people fought against righteousness. They fought for the right to enslave people. It's horrific. I can't stand it. 
I can't stand it. And I just want to tell you that we've been advocating for things that we should not be advocating for. We've been losing our minds over various things. And I think this passage speaks to it. We as the church have the answer to our, for our world. We have the answer. When you go through the history, I told you about a book last week that I'm reading called Dominion. That is just going through the history and is just basically saying that like, if there's anything good in society today, it's kind of saying this. If there's anything good in society today, it came from, uh, from the church. It came from the scriptures. And so here, here's what I want to tell you this morning. We have the answer. We have the answer. And I just want to tell you that that answer cannot be spoken to our community until we are willing to lay down our arms, till we are willing to lay down our arguments, till we are willing to suffer for the cause of Christ because Christ suffered for us. We have the answer. It is not one side or the other. It is Jesus and his body, the church, working in our community. Men and women, that is the answer to all of the world's problems. And ultimately, we will not usher in uh, that solution all on our own. Jesus will return, and he will establish his, his kingdom. Do you want righteousness in our world? That's what Jesus is bringing through his kingdom. And too often we're unwilling to do the hard work of operating as though we are citizens of that kingdom. So we have the answer. And what is the answer? Let me read verse 7 through 11 for us here of uh, 1 Peter chapter 4. It says, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Now, what is this passage telling us? This passage is essentially telling us this. To live every day as though it is your last day for the glory of God. Live every day like it's your last day. Live every moment as though it is the last moment of your life. And Jesus is about to return. Jesus himself, in Matthew 25, gives some examples of this. As he, he talks about the parable of the ten virgins and the, the parable of the talents. And basically there's this, uh, this virgin who doesn't have oil in her lamp and is not ready for the bridegroom to come back. Or for the groom to come back, I should say. She's not ready. And Jesus relates this to, when, to his return. 
and he's making a very pointed statement, and he's saying, you need to be ready. And the parable of the talents is, is, is essentially saying this, that like God has given you something, do something with it. Do something with it. Now, when we started the church, one of the things that like deeply impassioned me was Ephesians chapter 2, where it talks about how, for by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God so that no one can boast. And then it goes on to say, we, we love that part. We love that part that says, I've been saved by grace. It's by no works of my own. But then it says, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works or for good works. I think I'm mixing the NIV and the ESV uh, versions there, but you get the idea. You have been created in Christ Jesus. You have been saved so that you would do the good work that God has called you to do. You're not saved by those works, but you have been saved to those works. And our church, I need to speak to us and I need to say this. That we've grown up as a group of young people. Many of us uh, came from college. Uh, all of us were college age at some point. But our church was full of young people and, and continues to be uh, so today. Although we've grown up a little bit. We've gotten careers. We're getting, we're, we're getting busy. We got kids. We got things to go to. COVID and the shutdown and all of this stuff has illuminated something. And that is we are too busy. We have too many things going on. We have too many places to be. It's a lot of good things. It's a lot of great things. My wife and I, we love hanging out with people. We built a, a cool house so that we could have people over all the time. But then we're sitting down, we're talking to our kids, and we're saying, hey, what's it been like? I mean, because we're sitting here first or second week in, in the shutdown just going, this is kind of weird not hanging out with other people, but it's kind of cool to, to go, hey, who are you? Oh, you're my son. Okay, yeah, <laughs> good to see you again. How, how old are you? Uh, what are your skills, abilities? What are your whatever? We're getting to know our kids in a way that we hadn't gotten to know them. We're spiritually leading them in ways that we hadn't led them before. And why is that? It's because we've been so busy. It was just an expectation. That, that, that we were going to be busy. And here we are as a church. And I, I'd be willing to bet that a lot of us are busy like I'm busy. I'd be willing to bet that that's, that's where we've been. And have we lost sight of what God has called us to? Have we lost sight of the reality that God has called us? Not just to salvation. Because we believe that God in his sovereignty has saved us. We did not save ourselves. We did not cause ourselves to be saved. God is the one that awakened us to the reality of his gospel. But he saved us to something. And so, where are we at with that? Because the deal is this. Is that Jesus wants it to be really, really uh, important. Jesus wants it to be on the top of our mind that he has called us to something greater than ourselves. He has called us to a new mindset. Too many times we're coming to the world and we think, I have the right mindset. But, but, like, but that is to negate like 
good theology. That's to negate the scriptures. Like when you come to the table of society and you say, my viewpoints are the viewpoints that matter the most. My viewpoint is right because I'm on the right side of things. Nobody can make that claim. Nobody can come to the table of society and make the claim that somehow my viewpoint is the most correct. Because we know this, because our first parents sinned, we have all sinned. We are, in essence, totally depraved. It doesn't mean that we have done everything possible. It means that we have every possibility of sin. It means that every faculty, every, every sight, sound, smell, every, 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 every brain cell has been affected by sin. Every thought, everything that's going on. And it is a battle to bring about the message of Christ and bring it to bear on our lives. And so Jesus wants us to not just put this off and say, at some point in my life, I will work to serve in this capacity, or I will work toward whatever it is, fill in the blank, loving others, being hospitable to, to, to people, whatever it is. Jesus says, now is the time. Now is the time. Mark Driscoll used to say, the most important uh, day of your life, the most important day is the last day. I don't quote him often, but the most important day is the last day. Why is the most important day the last day? Like the most important day of your marriage is the last day of your marriage, he used to say. Does it end in a graveyard where we're glorifying God and just saying, man, we made it to the end, or does it end in a courtroom? And I know that some of you have had your marriages end in a courtroom by no will of your own. And so I, I see you, I hear you, I feel what you're going through. But the most important day of our family is the last day. The most important day of our job is, is the last day. The most important day. Jesus wants us to live with the end in mind as though it's going to be here tomorrow. And so how can we do that? And so he says this. The end of all things is at hand. With that in mind, thinking about the end of all things, therefore, he says, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Now, what uh, the NIV says this, so that you can pray. What's that mean? It says, stop losing your mind. Stop getting out of control because when you lose your mind, you lose your witness. When you lose your mind, you're not praying. When you lose your mind and you just say, oh my gosh, the sky is falling. The world is coming to an end. This is going to happen. That's going to happen. All of these things are going to take place. When you lose your mind, what you're not doing is you're not saying, Lord Jesus, come quickly. When you lose your mind, you're not saying, hey, Jesus could come anytime. And so we, we want to pray that he works in this situation. Too many of us are losing our mind. Too many of us have taken too hard of a stance 
on something. Now, I want to be clear here. Image bearers are image bearers of God. The black community is or are image bearers. They are image bearers. And I'm speaking about a they because we have uh, very few black people in our church. But we're losing our minds. We're not thinking about them as image bearers a lot of times. And as a result, we're not really praying. And so my question to you is, that what's, your, what's your prayer life like when, when the, world's, the, the world seems to be coming to an end? What's your prayer life like in the midst of those situations? The second thing he says is, he, he, so the first thing he says is to pray. The second thing he says, uh, the way that we live every day like it's our last day is to love one another. So the first thing we can do, we can pray. The second thing is that we should love one another. John 13, 35, I believe. By this all men will know that you're my disciples, that you love one another. So there's a love for one another that, that, that needs to be there. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. It means that you're striving to love other people. Enough of this crap that says I can attend church and not be engaged with people and not love anybody. Enough with that. Hey, Christians, let's gather and let's love each other. But more than that, we should be known as people who are loving. I know we, got, we all have opinions. Those opinions need to be tempered by the Word of God. We need to be praying that God would work in those situations. But most of all, we need to be loving one another. We need to be loving people that disagree with us. And it says, above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Why? Because love covers a multitude of sins. What does that even mean? When you love somebody, you overlook all of their sins. Is that what it's saying? No, it's, that's not what, not what it's saying. What, here's, here's what I, I think is going on here. We live in a world right now that says, be offended. Pay attention to microaggressions. Have you ever seen the bumper sticker that says, if you're not outraged, you're not paying attention? Well, I got to tell you, that bumper sticker has really done a number on our society. <laughs> because there's a lot of people paying attention. Because there's a lot of people that are outraged. And men and women... It is good to be outraged at injustice. But we cannot lose our heads in the midst of that. It is good to stand up for injustice. I got to tell you that injustice burns me up. The death of George Floyd, the way that that happened, burns me up. I am furious about that, as well as just about every police department, every law enforcement office that I've heard of said that should not have happened. 
That should not have taken place. But men and women, we cannot be people who are not loving in the midst of that. And in the context of the church, this type of stuff plays itself out. As we bring the world into our church and we get offended easily, we take offense at various things. Find ourselves constantly wanting to confront somebody else. That really, it, it isn't a moral sin that they're doing. It's not something immoral. It's just, it might be something frustrating. It might be whatever. But we find ourselves in this place where we are con confronting or maybe we don't talk to those people or whatever it is. But see, love covers a multitude of sins. And this is what, I think it's the ESV study Bible that said this. It came from someone else, not from me. It says, where love abounds... Offenses are frequently overlooked and quickly forgotten. See, some of you, are, you're, you are so sensitive. I, I should include myself in it. So sensitive, like easily wounded, easily hurt. And in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 11 says, Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. It is good sense that causes us to be people who love in spite of the fact that we've been offended. Who love in spite of the fact that someone else may not be like us and have different preferences. To love people even though we don't really agree on every, on every point. So he says, love covers a multitude of sins. The third way that we live every day like it's our last day to the glory of God is to show hospitality to one another without grumbling. This word hospitality is philozenos, however they used to say it, philozenos. It means friend, philo, or, or love, philo. And xenos is stranger. It, it essentially means to love the stranger. To befriend someone who is not your friend. And I know of no greater example than to say this. We got a lot of white people in our church. And why is that? Well, probably for, first reason is because I'm white. Uh, you attract who you are a lot of times. But what this is saying is saying we should love the stranger. And who are the stranger in our, in our city? Who are the strangers? Well, it's people of other social classes. It's people of other races. It's people who have a different way of life. And I got to tell you, this church is starting to feel real comfortable to me. Because we are uh, white middle class Americans. But Jesus died for all. Jesus gave his life so that anyone may receive him. And what the heck are we doing? What the heck am I doing? i got to point the finger at myself. I lead this stinking thing, right? I lead here. It's my fault. I, I don't yelling at you. I'm yelling at myself. But the direction that we need to go is that we need to show hospitality. To one another, we need to show hospitality to people that don't look like us. And then I think it's really important that he says, without grumbling. Why are people strangers? Because they don't act like us. They don't look like us. They like different things. They like other kinds of music. They, got, they, they like other kinds of art. 
They come from another social class. They come from another place. And how are we as the church reaching them? How are we showing hospitality? How are we loving the stranger? It's increasingly becoming... I, I mean, I, I think people who are, who are feeling alienated as well are those who may be in law enforcement today. I think it's becoming, it's becoming uh, more popular to be against police. Now, we can be 100% clear that we desire to see righteousness and justice in our judicial system on every level. To see righteousness and justice from every police officer, every, every person in law enforcement. That's absolutely, we should expect that. And I would just say this, where that has failed, that is why we see, that is why we see riots. But it has not failed in every single police officer. So how can we love the stranger in that sense? Well, here, here's a couple things. One, we are actively seeking ways to reach outside of the community that we currently reach at Outward Church. And I got to tell you, we're having a difficult time with that. And so we're looking for ways to find, how do we find ways to meet needs? How do we find ways to befriend? How do we find ways to love the stranger? So we're looking uh, for those ways, and those are going to be forthcoming. We're going to have uh, more stuff for us as we move forward. I'm, in, I'm inviting you to act like a Christian this morning and to participate in those efforts because we have more work to do in our city. But another obvious way that we're able to serve our city is, is by serving our first responders, including law enforcement officers. To say, you are an image bearer. And you deserve to not be cursed. You deserve to be respected on some level. And so I believe in the coming days we're going to get Feed Salem Heroes back up and running. And we're going to try to provide a couple meals for folks down at Salem PD and just say, hey, we love you, we care about you, we support, we support uh, all of the just and righteous things that you do. We're here to, to love you and support you, but we want to find other ways to support the minority community in our city as well, because they're both image bearers. They're both image bearers. How can we be hospitable to people in our community? How can we be hospitable to other people. See, Paul says in Galatians 3.28, he says, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no, there is no male and female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. Do you understand how absolutely crazy that statement was in the time that it was made? Here you have an unjust society that operates on a social class system that if you're not a Roman citizen, you, are, you have no rights. If you're a slave, you are used and abused in the worst possible way. People who are the, the rich, the wealthy landowners, those slave owners, had no amount of interaction with other classes in, in, in any way other than that they are serving them. But then we come into the church. Do you understand how radical it was 
that the church of Jesus Christ, who claims and, and, and believes that Christ died on the cross, was crucified, was buried, and rose again from the grave, and they say this changes everything. And what it means is this, is that Jesus has banished all social class. Jesus has banished all race. Jesus has banished everything. And all of those barriers should be broken down. And men and women, how can you and I say, when we have a lot, not all of them, but many of them, maybe most of them, of the black community that say, there is still a barrier up between us. They're begging and pleading for us to speak up for them, to be a voice for them. And we have a responsibility not to make judgments, but we have a responsibility to love the stranger because there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, black nor white. There is not blue collar and white collar. There is none of that. Jesus will have none of it. And you could, you could turn off this live stream if you want, and you say, I don't want to hear it. But I just, I just got to tell you, I'm speaking truth right now. I'm speaking truth, and I'm begging you to lay down your alliances, to lay down whatever it is, that, that every preconceived notion that you've come to this with, and, and just say, we have the answer. Not within us, but within this. And if you have a theology, listen. If you have a theology, if you have a way of doing business, if you have a life that does not conflict with this, that, that the Bible seems to always agree with your political alliances, I... I think you're serving a God made in your image. You're serving an idol. You're not serving the true and the living God. Because I got to tell you, there's some things in here that I do not like. I do not like some of this stuff. Because I feel comfortable right now. And to be hospitable to other people groups means that things might need to change around here. Not just in the church that I get to lead, along with the other elders, but in my home, in my personal views. I think there's some things that are going to need to change. I wish you could hear my heart. I'm just being honest with you right, right here and right now. Can I just be completely honest? We'll see what I get for this, but my wife is going, oh no, right now. <laughs> Can I just be completely honest? And that is that I have never in a real way loved the strangers in my midst in a way that I should. I just haven't. I don't think I did it intentionally, but it's sin. It's sin. I'll just confess that. 
Like, I don't think I'm racially biased, but somehow the black community feels like there's racial bias going on, even when we don't think that there is. Can't, can't I just love them and just say, okay. The, the whole way that you get into the Christian faith is, first of all, God calls you to himself. It's by his grace. So you didn't do anything to earn, earn that. But the entrance into the kingdom of God comes through repentance. And why would we not go to our city and say, and exemplify the repentance? So rather than giving in to a political argument, why don't we say we're giving in to a Jesus argument? We're giving in to a Jesus argument that says, we want to model repentance, which is, I don't know of anything specifically that says that I'm a racist, but like if you say that you feel like you're being treated differently, then can we, can we just love you? Because Jesus loved me. The last thing he says here, let, let me just say one more thing on the last point. Do not fall into the trap of believing that you have to hate those who are in law enforcement in order to love those who are black. Don't allow our world to, to make you make that choice, or vice versa. Do, do, not, do not fall into that trap, because that's garbage. That's garbage. Why don't we love everyone? Let's do that. Verse 10, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. How many of you know how God has gifted you? How many of you know in what ways God has gifted gifted you to serve. He's saying, as, like everybody has received a gift who knows Jesus. We know that from Ephesians chapter 4 that says when Jesus ascended, he gave gifts to men. And it's referring to the reality that when, when Jesus, uh, after he rose from the dead, and then he went, as he ascended to heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is not just there for gifting, but he is also here, he's a person of the Trinity, to, to gift us, to empower the ministry that we do. I was referencing earlier about how busy we are, and how, and how, how busy we are in our everyday life, and I just... I want to take a moment here and just say, hey, before you start everything back up, before we get going, what has God called you to? What has God called you to, to use of your resources, to use of uh, your spiritual gifting, which oftentimes, I believe, goes along with our personal gifting, although it can also be something that's like supernatural, it's beyond, like I've never been able to speak before, now I... Speak the oracles of God, as it says right there. And now I, you know, I pray for people and they get well, or wh whatever it is. All of a sudden, God has 
spiritually gifted me to make money, and, and then all of a sudden, like, man, I, I give money away, and God seems to keep blessing me, that kind of thing. So what is it that God has called you to? And how are you stewarding that gift that God has given you? How are you stewarding that? And he says, whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Like when you, like when you're speaking, like when I'm, when I'm standing here speaking, not that everything I say is an oracle from God. My wife could tell you about some serious mistakes that I've made from the pulpit. I mean, one in particular, <laughs> she's waving her arms right now saying, no, no, uh, stop doing that. No, I mean, there's one in particular that was so bad. It was so embarrassing. I'd love to tell you about it right now. Uh, but uh, it was so embarrassing. So not everything that comes out of my mouth is like, this is from God. But, but there's a, don't laugh. There's a, good grief. Oh, man. Uh, it's, it's, I'm speaking as though God is speaking through me. And whatever God desires that would land on our hearts here. That's, that's from God. And everything bad is from that. But I'm using the gifts that God has given me. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. He's saying use your gifts by the power of God through his spirit in your life. Use your gifts to serve others. Much of our churches, many of our churches, and even our church to some degree, I don't even know how, how we do this, is, uh, are self-serving. We are self-serving in that the church that we go to fits my personal beliefs, my political leanings. They have the programs that I want for my kids. They have the music that I love. That's a big one for me. Music is huge. I gotta have good music. But man, it's a, it's a personal feeling. Are we coming to the church, to our community, to our family, ready to steward the gifts that God has given us in order to reach other people with the gospel of Jesus Christ? That's been Peter's point. Suffer for the cause of Christ so that others may see God, that they may see him and glorify him on the day that he returns, on that last day. See, some of us are saying, when I get a little bit further ahead, then I'll start to serve. When I make a little bit more money, then I'll start to be generous. Do you know what's hard when you make more money? Is that... The percentage, like 10% of, you know, $1,000 doesn't seem like that much. You know, it's $100. Uh, I know that. How do I know that? I'm terrible with math. I'm totally going to put my foot in my mouth. You guys are going to be like, who is this guy? Uh, but then, so then you start making $10,000, and now that's $1,000. But you didn't start giving, out of, giving when you're making a little bit, and now you're making a lot, and now it's really hard because you're like, man, that seems like a lot of money. It just, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Stop waiting as though I'll do it when. 
I'll start serving when? Serve every day like it's your last day to the glory of God. To the glory of God. Give of yourself for the glory of God. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. This book has been telling us over and over and over again about the gospel. It's been, it's been telling us over and over again about the good news of Jesus Christ that opens the way for you and I to offer our lives as a living sacrifice, to give of ourselves and to say, I want to give back because of the story of Jesus Christ. We have it on our wall here in the sanctuary. It says, love Jesus, and then it says, live our. The love Jesus part is basically, know and love the gospel. Live under his rule. Live with Jesus as king. And then respond, live outward. But here's the thing, if you don't know and love the gospel, you cannot live outwardly. You cannot serve to the glory of God because you haven't gotten the first part. So he, the gospel is this, is that the gospel changes everything. The gospel changes who we are. When you begin to know and love Jesus in a passionate way, do you know something? All of these things begin to change. I was just talking with Matt Baldwin, one of the pastors here at Outward, Outward Church. And we are talking about how when pe we, we can't force people to get into serving. We can't force people to be hospitable or to be loving or to pray more. What we have to do is we have to begin with helping them understand who Jesus is. We've got to make disciples. And people who are truly disciples of Jesus Christ, when they see that Jesus went to the cross in spite of their sin, in spite of the fact that they hated God, in spite of the fact that they hate Jesus, when they see that Jesus went to the cross and gave of himself fully on the cross, then they in turn can begin to give back. When we plug into that reality, when we see the reality of the gospel that Jesus bled out and died on a cross for me, that's when we can begin to serve for his glory, not for our own, by his power, not with our own. And so I'm inviting you this morning. I want to invite the band forward. Uh, first of all, I'm inviting you this morning to take a different perspective. I want to invite you to live every day like it's your last day for the glory of God. Jesus wants you to be concerned with that. And so I'm inviting you to that this morning. So what's that look like for us? When we come back together, what's that going to look like for us? I got to tell you, it says in Acts chapter 2, that the, the church came together and they devoted themselves to the, the apostles and the breaking of bread and to the prayers. Like there was like incredible community that was happening. 
and, and they were meeting needs in their city and nobody around them had need because they're so affected by the gospel and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved and then it says in Ephesians 4 that God has gifted these people to equip the saints for the work of ministry so that the body of Christ may be built up. Don't you want that? I don't want to be a dead church. I don't want to lead a dead church. Hey, when we can come back together, don't stay home. If you don't have underlying health conditions, don't stay home. Come and be with the body of Christ. Come and serve and, and one another. Love one another. Be hospitable to people that don't look like us. So that the Lord can add to this number daily those who are being saved. So that, so that we can bring the answer that we know that we have for our community. We have the ability to bring change. And it's through the gospel. Would you partake of communion with me? The scriptures talk about how the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he said, uh, this is the bread, this is my body that's broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so let's take a moment and let's spend a moment just in, in prayer. Would you just take a moment on your own and just thank Jesus for going to the cross for, for, for you? that his body was broken and his blood was shed for you. Maybe you could take a moment and you could uh, repent over your political views. Maybe you could repent over somebody you yelled at or somebody you said something snarky to. And just realize that Jesus went to the cross for that. Maybe you know in your heart that you have been racist on some level. Jesus took that sin to the cross. Let's thank him for that. Lord Jesus, we thank you for going to the cross for our sins. Lord, we repent of all the ways that we have wronged you, sinned against you. We thank you for your body that was broken for us. Let's partake of the, the bread. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your blood that was shed for us in our place. We thank you that it covers all of our sins, past, present, and future. Let's partake of the blood. Thank you, Jesus, for going to the cross. Thank you for what you've done. It's in your name we pray. Amen.